0: All right, take your Bibles with me and turn this morning to the book of Jonah in chapter number one. And if you are still getting familiar with how to get there, get to the book of Daniel in your Bible, which is a little bit of a bigger book and easier to find when you're flipping through. But get to the book of Daniel and go over five small books, and you'll find the, the small minor prophet of Jonah. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and then Jonah. There we find in just a few short chapters that God gives us, uh, four chapters of the book of Jonah, a bunch about God's mercy and who God is to us. And really we've been looking the last couple weeks at the disobedience of Jonah as well as the sovereign mercy of God. And how he can take a terrible situation and turn it on its head for God's good. And we're going to see the same this morning. Last week we looked at, at how the mariners uh, called upon their gods because of the great wind that God had sent into the sea. The God of the universe who can calm the tempest and and bring peace, be still to the seas, is the same God that stirred up this, this uh, tempest. And and uh, only the one true God that could make the winds to cease was being hidden away in the mouth of one who was hiding in the depths of the ship. And that was Jonah. And Jonah there, as we looked at last week, received an awakening, a rude awakening, as the shipmaster comes down to him and says, Wake up, arise, and gives him a chance uh, and calls him back to really the calling of God on his life to arise and go to Nineveh. So look with me as we'll start in Jonah chapter one. We'll look at verse six for context, and then our our passage that we'll take for this morning will be seven, uh, verse seven through the end of the chapter here this uh, this morning. Verse six. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so it be if so be it. Uh, if so be, that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Jonah makes a statement that does not match with his actions. He makes a statement that he fears the Lord, and yet his actions show everything but that. Uh, Leland, uh, my my uh, uh, firstborn son here, He's he's just turned three years old. And during his learning time during the day that my wife does with him, oftentimes he'll take little labels that have words on them and he'll go around the house and match them to a certain item. And very early on when he started to do this, when he was still two, he would have the word... A window, And he would go by the door and get confused because there might be a little window at the top, top of the door. He'd put the word window by the door. And my wife would have to explain to him, No, that's the door. That's, a, that's the wrong label. That's not, that name does not match what you're seeing there. And I believe in our own lives, we can oftentimes tell ourselves and tell the world around us that we have the label of a God-fearing person when in reality, our actions speak anything but that. Jonah here himself gives him himself a name that does not match his actions. And, and and as we saw in the book of James, when we studied through the book of James, your actions speak about your faith. Your faith. Uh, your faith is shown forth by your actions, and we'll see here in just a few verses. How that the heathen mariners show forth more fear for God than Jonah does. To fear the Lord, and that means to regard him with reverence and awe for who he is, is to walk in obedience to him. Let's pray. Father, would you help us this morning, or would you take your Holy Spirit and illumine your word to our life? And Father, I pray that you would, in the the quietness of our heart, would you divide uh, between the thoughts and the intents of our heart? Would you show us where we have a false fear of God? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. At the beginning of the passage, you might notice that the Mariners use a common practice of the day of casting lots to discover the culprit of what's uh, of. of, of of whose sin it was that resulted in this great tempest being cast into the sea. Proverbs 16:33 tells us that even a matter of casting of lots is even in that matter God is sovereign. Even though it's not a a a thing that we would agree with, God is still sovereign in that. Proverbs 16:33 says, "The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord." The Lord is sovereign even over those things. And while God in his sovereignty allowed this practice to come forth and convict Jonah, uh, uh, in this instance, it shouldn't be viewed as a model to imitate. I want to make that clear this morning. That's not a model that we would use. But it is a description of a common practice in Jonah's day. Today, we have something greater that God has given to us to, to convict us. To give us, to get us right to where we need to be, to to get us on the road, to get us back into the light, and that's the completeness of His Word. God's given us that, and we should allow that to be the convicting um, part in our life where it calls us out on what we need to be called out on. And here, God uses this, and as soon as the lot falls upon Jonah, notice they begin to interview him, they begin to question him. Look at verse 8 with me. They said, then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil upon us? They don't even want to believe that it's the prophet of the Lord, that, 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 it, that it's the, this cause. They want to know what his occupation is. They're in half belief that this is where the lot has fallen. Tell us, whose cause is the, uh, for whose cause is this evil upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people thou art thou? And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. The first point that I want us to look at this morning, and really just two points that we'll, we'll look at this morning, the first of those being disobedience to God will lead to a false fear of God. Disobedience to God will lead to a false fear of God. Jonah identifies himself as a Hebrew that fears the Lord. But Jonah, do you really fear God? Are you really fearing God here? The fear of God produces wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding." Fearing God doesn't just produce wisdom, but it also is closely tied to keeping God's commandments. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. If this was what Jonah truly was, then he was not keeping God's commandments. He wasn't keeping what God had told him to do. He was not truly... A God fearer. He he might have been sa- he was saved. He was a prophet of the Lord, a challenged to go and, and preach to Nineveh, but he was not acting like it. The one who fears God also turns away from evil. Job twenty-eight, verse twenty-eight says, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Right after this statement that that is made by jonah terror falls on the men i fear the lord the the god who made the the land and the and the dry sea uh sorry the 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 what does he say verse nine which hath made the sea and the dry land there he uses a literary device that, that it's not that god just made those two things it means that god made the sea and the dry land and everything in between that's what he's saying to these men And these men rightly had a reason to be afraid because they realized that this is the God who is reacting to Jonah's sin. They cry out to him, Why have you done this? Verse 10, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Even from the moment when he boarded the ship there in Joppa to go, 2,500 miles, as, as uh, Brother Dale and I were talking about this morning. He was going 2,500 miles in the opposite direction of where God wanted him. There he he, said, he told them, I'm, I'm getting away from, from my God. I don't want to do what he's told me to do. I'm fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And the truth of the matter is today is that many a Christian will claim that they fear the Lord, but many times we behave as if we, if we do not. Many times we will behave as if we have no fear for God. Our daily choices, in, the, in those daily choices, it's where we respond to God's word in such a way that we often indicate that we fear many other things, but we don't fear God. Think about it in these examples. In in our failure to give generously to God, we show to each other, we show to God that we fear the future more than we fear the God who provides. Our unwillingness to speak the truth and love to people uncovers the fear of man and not a fear of God. In our refusal to turn from sinful patterns in our life that God exposes to us, those those things that will hinder us, keep us down, things that God has truly shown us should not be part of our life, exposes, if if we don't turn from those things, it shows a lack of fear for the Lord and rather turns to those sinful practices as our sources where we find calm, where we find uh, a release, an ease and a satisfaction instead of God. God should be our source of satisfaction. We can often look to the culture... And look to our feelings for what to do in a certain situation and in doing so we we say to to other Christians around us we say to the world we say to God we fear our culture we fear our feelings or what might happen rather than fearing God in reality what we are doing is we're showing a false fear of God a fear of God that doesn't exist and we lie to ourselves to fear the Lord is to regard him with reverence and awe for who he is, how good he is, how merciful he is, and to walk in obedience to him. The second thing that I want us to look at this morning is the true fear of God that is exemplified in these mariners to Jonah. Now remember, these mariners are not saved yet. Okay, We'll get to that at the end of the chapter. But these mariners, God uses and God can use even unsaved people to convict, because of his sovereignty, to convict a believer and bring him back to where he needs to be. Look at verse 11 with me, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous, and he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to the land. But they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord. Notice, that's Yahweh. They started to call unto the Lord God. And said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows." Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Understand, that's a lot to swallow right there, no pun intended. (laughs) Okay? But there we see a proper fear, a true fear of God exemplified by these mariners. Notice what God was trying to teach Jonah. Number one, God was trying to teach him that a proper fear of God, a true fear of God, is exemplified by mercy shown to those who have wronged you. Mercy shown to those who have wronged you. You know, those, all of those mariners could have, been, uh, could have been done with Jonah right there and then. When they found out that he was the reason that this storm had come upon them, over, walk the plank, buddy, you are done for. You can swim with the sharks. And that probably would have been my attitude towards him, okay, if I was unsaved and I was on that boat. But notice, that's not what God in his sovereignty allows these men to do. God in his sovereignty works through these, these men. He, Jonah tells the men what they must do to save themselves, but these pagan mariners ironically function as this picture of mercy to what Jonah should have been doing all along to the Ninevites what Jonah should have been. You understand how bad Nineveh was, the cruelty, how they had been cruel to Israel, what they did to Israelites when they captured them. You can read through history books of what Assyria was in that day and how cruel and ugly they were. And God is wanting to show mercy to them, to get the gospel to them. And and Jonah is saying, no, here the mariners are a picture of what Jonah should have been. The Mariners here show mercy that Jonah was, was the one that should receive death, and yet they try to row the boat to shore. They still try to, they still try to row it. They're like, you know, I know it's hard, but let's get it to land. And what does verse 13 said? But they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. And then they went from that, They tried to show mercy again by interceding for Jonah. They didn't know what they were doing. Just a few moments ago, they were calling on their gods to try to save them from the storm. They know that doesn't work. And so they hear about this one true God that caused this storm, and they're trying to intercede on behalf of Jonah, saying, don't, don't let this guy perish. <laughs> don't let us have to kill him. We don't, we don't want to have to kill him. And here they're pleading for his life. I, wanna, I want us to take just a moment here and notice what God is showing us, even through this imperfect example of Jonah these men all the while are trying to show Jonah mercy it is them that is also receiving mercy from God God is showing them that it is by him salvation comes and not our human efforts God in his sovereignty didn't allow them to save themselves he didn't allow them to row to land and be the ones that could claim ownership for their salvation From that storm. What an amazing picture through all of this of what salvation is. Salvation is not by works of our own. Those men could not save themselves. There was a judgment that needed to be paid. There was judgment for sin, and in the midst of the judgment they found mercy. They didn't know about the mercy that was going to happen to Jonah. God was going to take care of that, but they knew that God was God was going to be the one to put an end to this storm. And even in our own lives, sin deserves death. God tells us that very clearly in his word. And it was by one man, Christ and his blood and his sacrifice for our sin that we can experience the calm of eternal life and and assurance of life forever with God. Jonah here is a very imperfect picture of, of this truth, but a picture nonetheless how that there would be one greater to come whose, whose death would be the source of rescue for our lives. He would be the rescue for the entirety of the human race. And God used the negative example of Jonah in these men's lives to show them that there is a true God and that there is one God that they should worship and, and that they would come to and that they would worship at the end of this. God can work in your life in spite of your disobedience to him. And that's exactly what he's doing in Jonah's life. Jonah wouldn't speak for him. He wouldn't tell these sailors, Jonah shouldn't have been there in the first place. Jonah should have been going the other direction. But here God uses, God in his sovereignty uses Jonah and works in spite of him. But how much more does God want to work in cooperation with us? in cooperation with the mouthpieces that God has here, and that's all of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, God was being merciful in this moment both to Jonah and to these men, not allowing them to get to salvation on their own. Both of these actions of mercy took, uh, uh, took by the men, stared Jonah in the face as an example of the merciful person that he should have been to Nineveh. Verse verse 15 gives us a second thing about the proper fear of God that's exemplified, and that is realizing God's judgment for sin. Verse 15 says, So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. And that one single action, which must have been horrible, i i can 't even place myself in that scenario you can 't even place yourself in that scenario maybe if you 're even if you 're familiar with boating or being out on the water you don 't know what this is like having to literally throw someone overboard being told that that 's how that's uh, how it 's going to be how the, the wind is going to stop raging because God is serious about sin, and here. Uh, Romans chapter six verse twenty three. For the wages of sin is d- is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know that sin deserves death. In their minds, they the men on the boat would never see Jonah again. They don't know what's going to happen. They're not reading the book of Jonah. They're not finding out what's going to happen to him unless they hear of somehow of the rescue that God did with the Ninevites, they're never going to see him again. And God sovereignly chose this to help the the, the sailors understand that God indeed is serious about sin. There, there is a penalty for sin and there is a one true God who is the one that needed to be feared and to be served. Here, God is so merciful to them. And the last thing we see about the, the proper fear of God is that The proper fear of God leads to salvation every single time. For the unsaved person, when they get a proper dose of the the proper fear of God, when they see the proper fear of God in a believer, it will lead to salvation every single time. Look at verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. I don't know wholeheartedly if that meant that they they started serving the Lord here on out, but to the best of their ability, I believe that God is explaining to us that in his sovereignty he can use even an imperfect example such as Jonah to get the message across to where they knew that this was the one true God that they needed to be fearing and serving. This is, I believe, a salvation story. In, in, in the midst of the storm, we see mercy in the storm. We see God's mercy in the midst of a storm. And here, these men experience God's mercy. And then notice verse 17. Jonah receives God's mercy as well. Now the Lord had prepared. <laughs> I love that. Because it meant that God all along... You think God's if you, if you think God is waiting up there to to smack me when I'm down or to to, to uh, start to uh, try to try to hit me over the head when I'm not doing right? God prepared mercy long before He ever made that choice. It says, "Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah." And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And I'm not going to go into all of the scientific facts of how that's possible, but it is. Uh, Just that God would do such a thing in his mercy to redirect him and get him on a ship going the other direction when he had disobeyed God. The men and Jonah now experience God's full mercy. The men receive the one true God as their Lord, and now this fish swallows up Jonah and redirects him back to Nineveh. In conclusion this morning, what I want us to see is what a God of mercy we serve. What a God that we have that we can see mercy in the midst of any storm. I don't know what kind of storms you're going through or what kind of storms that the Lord has whipped up in your life, but maybe it's a storm to to show you something. Maybe it's a storm that you just need to wait on the Lord for and that you need to see His mercy in the middle of it. To sovereignly work so intimately in our life as God does shows us that He is a God of mercy. As we close, I ask you again, does the name match? Does the name match? When you say that you're a God-fearing person, does the name match? Does your life show... That you do fear the Lord or has God revealed an area in your life of false fear where you say you fear him here, but you do this instead and it shows that you fear something else far more than God. May God help us to walk in obedience to him.